Hello and welcome to the Automotive News Europe podcast for November 4th, 2021. I'm your host, Doug Bolduck, Managing Editor at A&E. Thanks so much for being with us. Mobileye executive Johan Jungwirth has spent the last decade as a leader in the push to launch fully autonomous cars. This goal has also been one of his responsibilities during previous stops at Apple, Mercedes-Benz, and Volkswagen Group. Jungwirth, who goes by the nickname JJ, expects robo-taxis to be operational in Munich and Tel Aviv by next year. He says the technology will also be available to car buyers by the middle of this decade. This big moment will be enjoyed by JJ for its professional significance, but even more importantly, for what it will mean to a very special member of his family. Hello, Johan. Thanks so much for joining us today for the Automotive News Europe podcast. Thank you, Doc. Good to see you. I'd like to get started today by asking you, what are the biggest trends in the automated driving sector and how is Mobileye capitalizing on them? There are two big trends. One is automating self-driving vehicles for fleets, meaning ride hailing, ride pooling, transportation of goods. That could be, you know, first, last mile, medium mile, but then also class A trucks and driving uh, on, on, on highways, longer distances. But then there is the second path, which is consumer vehicles. We call it consumer AVs. Uh, so developing technology for, uh, you know, level four, level five, full self-driving for consumer vehicles, which, you know, you and I could buy or lease. And we see this actually also in, in kind of two different cycles in terms of timeline. So for us, the focus, you know, 22 to 25 is on fleet-based vehicles. The technology is still, you know, very expensive. Uh, the, the geo coverage is not that wide. And that's why you can basically go, you know, city by city by city or ODD, operational design domain by operational design domain. But then around 24, 25, that's when this second path, the second wave comes, you know, the technology will become, uh, you know, less costly. And then also the geo coverage will be wide enough to then offer it, uh, you know, that's like a chauffeur as an option. And what are the biggest challenges on the road to making fully autonomous cars reality? There are uh, some on the, let's say, technology side, and we can talk about that in more detail, but then also the regulatory side, where we see now some countries moving forward uh, faster. So I will start with, with this topic first. Talking about Europe, it's now Germany and, and France who have enacted uh, legislation laws to regulate you know, level four, level five uh, autonomous driving. And we are in the process now to see basically the uh, the ordinance, the, the technical requirements being enacted as well. And, and then we can go about, you know, having vehicles like our own mobile eye robot taxi, getting a level four type approval for these uh, markets. And then at the same time, we have now the European Commission working on, you know, the regulation for the European Union that would be EU 27. Uh, plus, you know, other countries, maybe like Norway or UK or so, or Switzerland, which would also accept this legislation. And that's, of course, a big deal. And, and the timeline is now. And then on the technology side, basically, I think what makes it all possible now is on the one side, the, the, the sensors technology. So having cameras, high resolution cameras, 
and radars and lidars, you know, available and also somewhat at a at a, at a cost level uh, where uh, we can at least start, you know, for the the fleet-based vehicles. And uh, that's all about TCO, about total cost of ownership, and then you can afford basically because you're replacing a human driver. Uh, you know, you compare now a, a uh, usage, uh, basically, let's say a shuttle or a transporter or a taxi or so, and, and the cost per kilometer, compare that basically now with uh, self-driving level four, level five vehicles, which include this expensive technology. But since you look at it on a, let's say, per kilometer level, it's still a jump down in costs and, 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 and price and overall, let's say, profitability and, and also making it available to, to consumers and, and to transportation companies. Uh, but of course, the main reason why we are all doing this and are in this is safety. You know, it's about saving lives, about reducing accidents, reducing number of injuries. From your experience, who do you find the, the companies that you feel are really pushing the hardest and the and the most aggressively into this area? Uh, can you give us some indication of, of who you're saying, yeah, these guys are really, they're on the right path? I think there are kind of two questions here. Uh, you said, okay, uh, which of the companies are on the right path or which of the companies are basically uh, in, in this game uh, to, uh, uh, to win? So um, I, I think generally speaking, when it comes to the AV technology and, and you now, let's say, look at the technology companies providing the self-driving system, the AV technology, uh, I would count us to be within the top three. And uh, now you can guess who the other two might be. Um, and uh, looking at the automotive companies, you know, our partners, uh, the OEMs, uh, the automotive you know, companies and brands, you certainly see in, in the United States a few players. And I mean, we all know um, uh, GM has acquired Cruise. And, and so that means uh, uh, Cruise is working with, with uh, GM and with, with Honda as their uh, you know, investors. And then we have uh, Argo AI, who is uh, working with uh, uh, Ford and, and with uh, VW. I think our big advantage is uh, that uh, you know, we are an independent player, we are an independent company, and we can provide our technology to anyone. So that means we are working today you know, with about uh, 28 plus uh, automotive uh, brands and, and companies, you know, also with the uh, 10 largest uh, OEMs um, on driver assistance systems, you know, level one, level two, and uh, now also uh, with the first ones going basically to level four, we had the first uh, design wins um, uh, there. And uh, I have to say it's a, it's a great place uh, to, to be in and um, we really value these, these partnerships doing this together and, and them relying you know, on, on our technology is actually a win-win for both. I'm sure you get this question a lot. So I'd like to know, what do you say to people when they say, oh, I'm afraid of the autonomous car. I can't even begin to believe that I'll be able to give up control to the vehicle, to the driving. How do you allay some of their fears? Yeah, it's a very important uh, point. So uh, a number of things we uh, we are doing. Uh, we are a, uh, a partner of PAVE um, and uh, PAVE uh, basically is an, it's an alliance uh, which primary interest is actually to educate the public and uh, make sure uh, that uh, we actually bring along everyone. I mean, we think confidence and trust uh, building when it comes to self-driving technology, self-driving vehicles, it, it's crucial to acceptance uh, by consumers. In addition, 
we actually think seeing is believing. So uh, we have had, for, uh, for example, at IEA also a fleet of, of four vehicles. We had about 100, you know, demo drives, you know, AV drives around the, uh, you know, IAA facilities there in, in Munich. And it was actually great to see. I've been in many of these drives myself with, uh, you know, CEOs, uh, with C-level, with, uh, you know, decision makers from around the world, uh, which were really, really just impressed, you know, about the, the, the maturity of the technology, where we already are today. And, and that's why I'm saying seeing is believing. So people really need to experience this technology actually to, to trust it and to have confidence in it. Now, the good thing is what we are seeing is that normally after, you know, even already like 15, 20 minutes, most people start to feel comfortable. Uh, they take out their smartphones or tablets and, and do other things like they're used to, let's say, on, on a train or on a bus or on a plane. Uh, so it doesn't take a lot of time. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, that will be the ultimate, uh, let's say, uh, success factor, factor and, and what we really need to do. Bring up a great point because I remember I was in a very early generation Nissan autonomous car in Tokyo and there was apprehension at first. There was a driver, the car was doing everything. But the most impressive thing was when we got cut off, the car actually slowed down in a very methodical and controlled way. Whereas if that would have caught me by surprise, I might have jammed on the brake. So I was already saying, this is better than what I would do now. Are you also having some of that experience saying, my goodness, these technologies are actually, they're better than how I would have performed? Yes, certainly. And, and uh, you know, I think, I think just looking at a few of these like key differences, I mean, these vehicles don't fall asleep, right? They are awake all the time. They don't drink alcohol. Uh, they don't drink and drive. They don't take drugs and drive. You know, they react in milliseconds. They don't have this, you know, uh, 700 uh, to 1,000 milliseconds of, of, you know, reaction time and processing the information. Um, you know, they, they have uh, basically eyes uh, 360 degrees around the vehicle, not just two, which look in one direction and can only focus in, on like a two to three degrees angle or so and see everything at, at high resolution. And they don't get distracted by smartphones and, and things like that. So, I mean, knowing that 92 to 94% of all uh, crashes, of all accidents, of all injuries, of all traffic deaths today, and we are talking about 1.35 million traffic deaths uh, per year globally, and another actually 10 to 20 million injuries. Uh, this is a massive, massive, you know, social impact. And that's what I believe in. And that, that's what keeps me up at night and what, what basically motivates me now also since 10 years to, to make this happen. And in addition, in addition, actually, I think accessibility is another important factor. Uh, you know, making mobility accessible. I, I have, uh, you know, personally, one of my niece who, uh, uh, you know, got a, a, a shot, I think, when she was three or four, and, and she had very, very high fever at that time, and, you know, has, uh, unfortunately, uh, a disability, a cognitive disability. She's not allowed to drive. She cannot uh, get a driver's license. And, you know, helping uh, Miriam basically to eventually be independent, don't need her mom, don't need my sister, basically, to get from A to B, a massive, massive relief. And I think eventually, looking especially at, at, at AV shuttles, but hopefully also, you know, at AV taxis or ride-hailing vehicles, uh, I believe that having these vehicles accessible and, and you know, basically be uh, um, uh, fully um, 
you know, available for, for everyone uh, to, to, to drive, I think will be mandatory uh, so that they have a ramp, that they are fully accessible for any person with, with any disability and making mobility inclusive is another big, big uh, factor. And, and I look forward to that. I am also personally excited about this because uh, I'm probably a few years older than you. And so I'm already thinking about, okay, how am I going to get around? Because I have a personal experience as well. My When my grandmother turned 90, she said, I don't want to drive anymore. I don't feel comfortable anymore. So I was the, I luckily inherited her wonderful Lincoln Town car, but I felt bad because she lost a bit of her independence. And so I'm hopeful that by the time maybe I'm 80, 90 years old, that you guys have already created the technology so that I can keep moving around from place to place. And so can you tell me when can I expect to be able to purchase a car without a steering wheel? Would it be in the next uh, few years? Starting 24, 25, that's when we see ownership vehicles. We, we call it consumer AVs uh, as options, you know, like buying a chauffeur, you know, uh, having that as in your price list of, of uh, maybe a, a Lincoln or, um, you know, other premium brands first before it gets to kind of uh, mid-level um, branding or, or, or brands or, or pricing of, of vehicles. Uh, because we are talking initially about, you know, maybe a 10K uh, US dollars or, or 10,000, uh, 8 to 10,000 euro or so uh, option uh, for a chauffeur. You see some companies, I mean, Volkswagen uh, released this just, you know, recently, they, they talked about maybe charging about 7 euro or so per hour for a chauffeur. It's also interesting, you know, different business models, for example, instead of buying these very expensive options, you know, when you actually make the purchase, you uh, maybe actually have a subscription model and it's a monthly base or weekly base or hourly base. But I think realistically, you should see, depending on uh, where you live and, and uh, what your, let's say, majority of your drives are. Uh, but I, I fully expect, you know, 24, 25 to see the first uh, vehicles uh, with such options uh, available. And uh, I can't wait for that. Oh, me neither. I'm super excited because probably by the time I'm willing to hang up my keys, it'll be extremely affordable or that model that you just mentioned of seven euros per hour or something like that to have somebody do the driving for you. That's That just sounds like a, a great possibility. And I appreciate so much your time joining us today, Johan. This has been a fascinating conversation and uh, it was really great to uh, to really just cover so many great topics. Thanks so much for joining us today for the Automotive News Europe podcast. You're very welcome. Thank you, Doug. Thank you. Bye. We reached Johan Jungwirth at his office in Jerusalem. If you have an idea for a future podcast or would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me at dbolduck at autonews.com. For breaking news, please visit europe.autonews.com. You can listen to this podcast and a wide range of others from the Automotive News Group on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play, or on our website at europe.autonews.com. That wraps up this episode of the Automotive News Europe podcast for November 4th, 2021. I'm your host, Doug Bolduck, Managing Editor at AE. Thanks so much for being with us. We hope you'll tune in again next time.